0: Thank you, Alison, for leading us. Alison is the uh, chair of our missionary committee. And if you noticed a similarity in dress code, that's the level of detail to which Alison organizes our missionary planning. And as as she said to you, if uh, you would like a copy of that prayer list, uh, then we have a number of them that will help us pray more effectively for our missionary family. And this is a Sunday when we look around the Windsor diaspora, those people who have been sent out from here, the mission partners who go in response to God's call on their lives, and uh, through this local church, with our support, they are sent. uh, And it's a really very exciting aspect of the life of Windsor Baptist Church. And uh, as we think about what we are doing as a church involved in all of these different countries around the world, I suppose uh, we've heard about people selling houses, leaving jobs, bringing toddlers, Margot and Eduardo arriving in Lima, no, no house until yesterday, I didn't know that. That's really uh, exciting and encouraging to hear. But there's enormous risks involved in all of this and big decisions about life. Think about David and Samantha and Maria and all that they've been anticipating, the lasting influence it's gonna have on the shape of their whole family. You've heard the list of many other things that people are going through and challenges. And Ho and Laura Jane, who were to be here this morning speaking, and they're not, you have me. And uh, if you have had a chance to read their last prayer letter, they have faced struggles that have shaken them. They have really been through huge challenges. You've heard Joseph's daily prayer on that video, every day praying, Lord, give us the visa for us to return home as a family. Those are big things. Uh, And many people around them have been bewildered as to why it's so difficult for them to get back into the UK as a family. And yet... In effect, they have been saying thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. And I would love this morning, just instead of saying what I'm going to say, just to read again their prayer letter as they open their hearts and talk about what this journey looks like. And if you haven't got it and want to get a copy, it was emailed out to all the church, but maybe you missed it. November prayer letter from Ho and Laura Jean. It's really worth reading. Talking about how God is working behind the scenes, how God is working in their hearts, giving them a greater love for the Japanese people, how their vision is not just to see them returning to the United Kingdom as a family, but to see so many of the Japanese people who have become dear to them entering into the kingdom of God and discovering life Everlasting. And yet, as we think about mission, the world is far more complicated. It's more difficult as we think about the issues of coming and going. And I suppose this morning, I want to ask a question. How do you cope with that? How do we cope as a missionary church, sending some of our best people into situations where like Ho and Laura Jane, they're gonna face stretching challenges that will shake them. And we're part of the sending process saying, we're going with you. We're part of your journey. We're sending some of our best people and we're gonna stick with them through thick and thin and uh, in all the ups and downs of being faithful to God's call in their lives. A concern for the missionary family is that this calls upon everybody to connect and to support and to finance and to care for our our people. And so on behalf of the missionary family, thank you for the way in which you've done that, for the support, for the prayer for the interest, for the way in which you're saying, tell us more about what's happening in Sendai right now. Help us to pray effectively. And for all of the ways in which you've been involved, thank you. If this part of Windsor has kind of passed you by and you don't quite get what all this is about, that's a legitimate question to ask. Please do ask us what's happening. Ask us how you can be more involved, and we'd love to explain that. But today I want to ask, how is this experience for you? Not so much about your passion for sending somebody else, but since our speakers aren't able to be here, I want to ask how it is for you to connect what your experience of life in here is like to where you're sent to as we scatter and go elsewhere. That's really what I want to think with you and explore this morning. That's better. Sunday gathering is where we come from all over the place and we we meet here and we seek God's presence and I'm sure that many of you go to families and neighborhoods and communities and workplaces where life is just as challenging and broken as it is for people in Spain or Japan or South Africa or Peru. And and so what's needed as we send each other out into the world? So consider what the call to follow Jesus means for us and what will help us draw connections between how we gather here and then how we scatter. And I'm going to look at the spiritual discipline which connects with what the God of mission is doing as he is at work in the world. And this is a discipline that shapes our life as a church as we often talk about without walls a church that exists out there as well as in here, and a discipline that shapes our life together inside these walls. And this discipline is called faithful presence. So I need you to do a couple of things to help me. Would you do two things? First of all, think for a moment about this gathering. In the presence of God this morning, with lots of others who want to be faithful to him, and ask God to help us be present to him and to each other. And then consider how we're going to scatter from one another and be present with our friends and our families and our communities and our neighbors, where God is also inviting us to know him And be present. And working with him there. Are you with me? I haven't explained all this before. But I'm praying that God will help us. Connect with him. And his word in here. As we look at it today. And also equip us to connect. With him and his work. As we go. So. Take a moment, wait on God, bring our world to him, and then I'm going to pray. Think about us this morning gathered. Think about one o'clock today, two o'clock, three o'clock, tomorrow morning. The people we're going to meet situations we're going to. I'll offer words as a prayer for what I believe God has put in my heart. And then I'm going to repeat it and invite you, if you wish, to say it with me. And it's very much part of the kind of spiritual disciplines, praying that we have been seeking to engage with. Now, O Lord, calm me into a quietness that heals and listens and molds my longings and passions my wounds and wanderings into a more holy and human shape. Amen. Pray with me, if you will. Now, O Lord, calm us into a quietness that heals and listens, and molds my longings and passions, my wounds and my wanderings into a more holy and human shape. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick interval announcement before we move on. I was reminded there's a football match tonight at five o'clock in Windsor Park, Northern Ireland, playing Austria. It's gonna be chaos around the Lesburn Road. So if you're coming this evening, please do try to make it a wee bit earlier. There will still be parking in Action Cancer and in our parking place, but heads up on that one. Here's a book that's helped me to think about the relationship between in here as Gathered Church Community and out there as scattered communities. Uh, There's no time to fill in why this book was written or some of the details of how this discipline is practiced. But it provides a vision for, and a strategy for seeing the church as the means that God uses to extend his rule and power into the very places that we've been thinking about a few moments ago, those friends and family connections and communities and neighborhoods and workplaces that we scattered to later on this morning. And if you pick up nothing else from this morning, think about the promise of Christ's presence being made real where you are in the world and where we get drawn into what he is doing So, faithful presence. Why is this important? Why is this subject important? A.W. Tozer, the American pastor and preacher, was a man who was obsessed with the glory and the holiness of God and making it known to others. And in his book, The Pursuit of God, he says... The presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. At the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into conscious awareness of his presence. So this is nothing new. It's right at the heart of what we believe. It's at the heart of the Bible. And yet somehow we get more focused on managing relationships and the business of church and the relationships with neighbors than our position before God. I'm going to take what I'll say from here on in two parts. First, a skim over the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation to look at the story of God's presence. And then one example from Luke. So here goes, quick Genesis Revelation overview. At the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth as the place of his presence. That's what we're talking about Thursday nights at our Bible studies. This is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, according to Isaiah. So God created this garden as a place for humanity to be in his presence where we would know him. But Adam and Eve broke fellowship with God, ignored his authority. And when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden the next day, they hid themselves from his presence. God's presence with humanity was disrupted and soon violence broke out. Genesis chapter 6. After the flood, God called Abram, Genesis 12, and he formed a people who would be present to him and be a blessing to the nations. And they ended up in Egypt and cried out to God who revealed his presence to Moses at the burning bush. And he said, I will be with you as he sends Moses to rescue his people. And the pattern of God's presence being with those he sends runs right throughout the whole of the scriptures. And Moses eventually leads God's people out of Egypt and they come to that mountain where God had spoken to him in the first place. And he calls him up the mountain to be with him. Meanwhile, The people attribute their victory over Egypt to idols. So God withdrew his presence from them. And he said, go on without me. But Moses intercedes, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. What else would distinguish me and your people from all of the other people in the face of the earth? You see, God's people are not his people without his presence. And throughout the Psalms, the theme of God's presence is repeated, like Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is in the midst of her. She won't be moved. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the writer points to all the effects of that as violence has stopped and the call is to be still and know this richness of love and powerful peace. Don't we all need that? Don't we all need that to experience the presence of God in our lives? As we think about being in here and as we think about going out there, And yet, his people disregarded his presence and God left the temple, Ezekiel. Yet, still, as his people were carried off into exile, God promises to renew his broken relationship, to forgive their sins, to overthrow their oppression. And the promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Living among us, the very presence of God here, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And John joins in this language of God's presence with his people in the wilderness, saying, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, literally a tabernacle among us and Jesus in his call to his disciples was that they would be with him and as he prepares them for his departure he promises not to leave them as orphans but as the spirit comes he would make the presence of the father and the son real to them we will come and make our home with the one who keeps his word and the parting words of jesus at the end of matthew matthew 28 all authority has been given to me heaven and earth i am with you always right to the end of the age and through christ god has restored his presence to us which began at pentecost ran right through the letters of the early church. And according to Paul, we the church are God's own people. We are a temple in the midst of the world. We're not just a temple in here. We are God's temple, his living body. And he describes it in Ephesians. You church are being built together to become a temple in which God lives by his spirit. And then in the final chapters of Revelation we're told where all of this is going the coming of a new heaven and earth where God's dwelling would be with people and everything will be made new. That's the overview. And David Fitch Says a bit of catch up to do here. The scriptures from beginning to end tell the marvellous story of God's returning his presence to all creation. It was always God's intent to be with his creation in the fullness of his presence. So, what does that look like? I'm going to tell you a story. A couple of us meet with somebody who's been part of this church for many years. Life has been tough. He's struggled with addiction, had a stroke. People around him don't see beyond the scars. Yet, God's been at work in very difficult family situations breaking the power of alcohol, allowing us to see that God is present. We often just drink a coffee, remind him that it's good to be together, but for the most part, he sits in his room on his own. The last time we prayed together in a restaurant, it was sweet. God made his presence known to us, as we tended to what was going on in his life. I wish I could say it was all sorted out. But it's the central fact of the gospel that God is present. He's not coercing. He's not forcing. But he's coming to be with us as we submit to him. Space around that table was communion. Communion. And from this skim read, there's one passage I'd like us to home in on. See how God is at work through his people in the messy situation of this world. As we think about going to those neighborhoods, communities, friends, work people. So let's, as we do, stand together. <clears throat> And I'd like to read from Luke 10. I'll just read the beginning and the end. Let's stand together. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Do do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone in the way. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If anyone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest. If not, it'll return. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. And the instructions continue right through judgments for those who don't listen. But verse 16 says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me and him who sent me. And the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that your spirits, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Take a seat. Just a few comments on this. When Jesus sends out 72, he gives them this series of instructions about the places that he is about to go himself. Very specific details covered in verse 16. He tells them, his authority goes with them. He who hears you hears me. So here are three ways to practice the discipline of faithful presence as we scatter. And it starts with posture. The most important thing for the disciples as they're sent out is to recognize that God is at work in people's lives. So don't go with all of the stuff that says you've got something to offer. They're to enter places humbly as lambs among wolves. As we send people out from here, lambs among wolves. They're told to be vulnerable. Don't take lots of money. Money is a difficult factor when it comes to mission. They're to enter homes as guests, to be present with people, avoiding distractions, like appearing to be a person who should be on other people's guest lists. They're to be present and listen. What's the point? Be humbly present. Submitting to what God is doing and looking for openings to God's presence Around a coffee table in your neighborhood. We're not completely empty handed. This position of humility is to bring Christ's presence to make space for his rule. And it's demonstrated by how we eat, accepting what we're offered, how we care, being with the hurting. So, the instructions of Jesus are about a posture of humility, which leads to the second practice. Posture leads to proclamation. Like me, you might be thinking it's easy to be with people, share their lives, but steering the conversation from where they're at to the message of repentance and faith is hard. This is not a message that fits nicely into our casual conversations. sometimes. It doesn't mean it should be avoided. Proclaiming the gospel is announcing that a new reality has come that people are not aware of. Jesus is Lord. He's working in this world, bringing all things into a right relationship with himself. I know some of you do that. In Corn Market, David is there engaging with people, saying there's a new reality going on. We know this because Jesus lived an extraordinary life He demonstrated his authority. He was killed, but he was raised to life. And he's working to defeat evil and will make everything new. So our message is, God's kingdom is about life for all who turn to it. Can you see that? That's what we say. Can you see any sign of that? Can you receive this as good news for your life as well? Jesus tells us, those who hear you, those who listen to you, hear me. And they discover that he's present in that conversation. And that's when divine power makes his presence known. Proclamation opens up space for the kingdom of God to break in. The friend I mentioned has lost everyone in his life. His wife, his son, all contact with his family. Almost two years ago, I got a message from the family to say this brother has died. He was found on Christmas Eve. Two of us brought him to the funeral. The rest of the family were there. Everything seemed so broken. The message from them was we don't want to go through this again with you. Walking that road doesn't involve a quick fix but two of us have seen signs of God at work. The utterly broken family ties are being restored. Now there's talk of spending Christmas together and reconciliation is happening and things are breaking through. Proclamation doesn't involve threats, persuasion. It says Jesus is able to fix what's broken. So we meet and we're seeing something unbelievable in small ways, something that defies all the tactics of Satan to kill and to destroy. And that's how the disciples returned, saying, I can't believe what's happened. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. I haven't given you many practical takeaways today. But we'll conclude with one more expression to cultivate. As the disciples are buzzing about their experience, Jesus warns them, Don't get too excited about these things. Instead rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's saying remember the power is not from your from you, it's mine. Rejoice that heaven is where the real authority lies and you've the privilege to cooperate. God has put you into other people's lives not because you have an endless bank account or time to solve other people's problems by managing them. We're sent with Christ's authority to be faithful to his presence and to listen, to be with people, get to know what's going on to proclaim good news. Maybe an international student or refugee, you're able to say, God has marked out the appointed times in history where they should live so that he might seek, they might seek him and find him even though he's not far from any one of us. So the message is be humble, serve others, and expect that God will be present.